Welcome everyone to the Bridge of Faith podcast. We are so glad you're listening today. We hope you are blessed and encouraged by today's message. God bless. Father, we're so thankful, Lord, so thankful, Lord God. Anything could be going on outside. It could be heat. It could be a thunderstorm. It could be a pandemic, but nothing changes with you, Father God. You are the same yesterday, today, and forever, God. And so we put our hope in that, not in the what's going on in the world around us or the weather around us, Lord God, what's going on in our household. We put our faith, our hope in you, the rock of ages. And never change. We say thank you, Lord God. We just love you, praise you, and worship you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen, you guys. Go ahead and have a seat. Say hello to someone next to you. Thank you so much, worship team. Appreciate you guys. Man, not to have the sun beating down on my head right now. I feel like I'm a new man this morning. I'm telling you. And I got about one hour of sleep because, man, the thunderstorm... Our dog was going crazy all night, and then our kids are waking up, and, you know, it's like 100 degrees in our house on top of that. So, man, it was a night. I'll tell you that much right now. But I'm so glad to be here with you guys. Next week, Justin Daco is going to be bringing the word next week. So come on out to that. Uh, God willing, we'll be right here again if uh, nothing changes, right? So come on out to that. It's going to be great. We are continuing our Summer on the Mount series, and I'm very excited for today. Um, Last week, we talked about uh, the law and righteousness and what it means to live a righteous life, which basically that just means that I want to live a life that is right in God's eyes. But then we said we cannot say that we want to live a life that's right in God's eyes if we don't want to honor the word of God, if we don't want to honor the law. Jesus uh, said last week, he said that, I, I, that, that I, um, I didn't come to abolish the law, but I came to fulfill the law. And he came to fulfill the law because you and I never could. We never could. And you see, the Jewish people back in this day, that was their life. Their life was built around fulfilling the law, fulfilling the Old Testament commandments, as in actually fulfilling all 613 plus commandments. That was their life. And Jesus came and said, no, 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 no. He said, now that I'm here, I came to fulfill the law. So now if you want to live a life of righteousness, it's not going to be be, uh, because you're a perfect human being fulfilling all these commandments, but but it's going to be because you put your faith and your hope in me. And then in me, you will find righteousness. So as you can imagine, today, that leaves us with when Jesus spoke those words to everyone listening in back in those days on on the Sermon on the Mount, the Jewish people were scratching their heads. I mean, we see the full picture. We know what's going to happen to Jesus. We know that he's going to die on the cross for our sins. We know that he's going to raise again and defeat death. They don't know that. All they heard was Jesus talking these crazy words that they've never heard before in their life. And now their whole life is flipped upside down. And that's what Jesus wants to do to our life. 
That's the whole purpose of the Summer on the Mount series is that we would see that we are called not to be of this world. We'll, uh, we're called to be in this world. You're called to be in your family. You're called to be in your workplace, in your school, but you're not called to be of this world. We are called to live a counter culture lifestyle, not living to the standards of this world, of the media, of everything that's going on around us, but living to God's standards. So now, after Jesus just dropped that bomb on all the Jewish people saying that, hey, hey, what you guys have been doing your whole life, that's not what it's about. That's not how you fulfill the law. Now he's going to take it a step further today, and he's going to clarify what he means by that. And now he's going to pick six examples from the law, six hot topics from the law, and then he's going to use the same formula for all six of them. He's going to say these words. He's going to say, for it has been said to you, but I tell you this. So he's saying you have heard this or it has been said to you like this. And he's talking about the Pharisees. He's talking about the religious leaders of that day who have been distorting the law so that it could fit their narrative. Not God's narrative, but so that it could, you know, help them out, not help out the people. They've been putting extra burdens on all the Jewish people. And so now Jesus is going to pick six hot topics from the Old Testament law and he's going to clarify them. And he's going to use these examples, and he's a great teacher. He's going to say, this is what's been told to you, but this is what I tell you. And then here are some, 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 some tools for you. Here are some teaching examples for you. He's such a great teacher. And I love that Jesus and the Bible doesn't shy away from hot topics. Topics that maybe are, you know, difficult to talk about. That Jesus wasn't like, ooh, you know what, I'm not going to go near that topic because that could cause a stir. That can make some people feel uncomfortable. He didn't do that. See, Jesus is going to talk about some interesting topics here, these six topics. And one thing, no matter how you feel about these topics, no matter how these topics have impacted your life, because I'm sure they have, just like they have my life, but we can trust that Jesus cares about our hearts. He cares about our hearts. So he's not here trying to break you down. He's here trying to let us know that this is how we are to live. Not according to what we've been told our whole life, but what I'm telling you, what, 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 what a Jesus is telling you. So I'm going to cover the first four of those topics today. And I'm going to go through them rather quickly but I'm covering four topics today, and Justin's going to cover the last two topics next week. So let's pray. Dear God, we love you so much. We're so glad that you care for our hearts, that you want to expose things, that you want to challenge us, that you want to open up our eyes so that we can see you more clearly, so that we can hear from you, so that we can grow closer to you. So I ask God that you would use me today to help all of us, help myself do that in Jesus' name we pray, amen. All right, so in these examples from the Old Testament, Jesus is going to show us what the true meaning of the law is. And again, he's going to do that because the scribes and Pharisees, they've been distorting it this whole time. So that's what the Jewish, uh, what, what the Jewish people have been hearing. And I love that Jesus used that formula what I just said, you know, you have heard it said, but I tell you. You know, Jesus is saying, 
that I have the final say. Maybe you've heard different things your whole life. Maybe you were even taught in church some things that maybe don't line up exactly to the word of God. But Jesus is saying, but I tell you. And what he's trying to do is this. He is dealing with our attitudes and the intent of our hearts. Not simply on us performing all these external actions to fulfill the law. But Jesus, he is trying to focus on our hearts. He's trying to focus on the intent of our heart. And you know, it's kind of like this. If I want to surprise my wife, Jerry, say I come home one day, totally random, come home one day with some flowers, with some boba or something like that, she is going to be like, oh my gosh. Yeah, exactly. What do you do? I see your heart. Wow. Now say that I come home with flowers and boba and something she likes on her birthday or on Valentine's Day, or on our anniversary. That's nice, right? Like, that's nice. I have fulfilled the law there, right? I have fulfilled the law, and, you know, I know what it's like to break that law. So uh, I've I've had to learn the, the hard way there, praise the Lord. But when I'm not just trying to fulfill the law, but I'm trying to show my wife how much I love her, man, that's where you grow. That's when you really become into this new person that God has called us to be. And sometimes growing up in church, we feel like there's all these laws that we have to fulfill. That if I'm going to be a good Christian, be a good person, well, then I can't do this, I can't do that, I can't do this. And so I'm going to live my life not doing this. But Jesus, he cares about our hearts. He's like, just give me your heart. Just give me your heart and then I will help you live out the rest. But he wants our hearts. So let's go to our first topic. Our first topic is anger. Anger. Maybe you saw the Bruce Lee on our social media page that Jerry posted. That was excellent. Turn with me to Matthew chapter 5, starting at verse 21. Jesus is going to say these words. You have heard that it was said to those of old, you shall not murder, and whoever murders will be liable to judgment. But I say to you that everyone who is angry with his brother will be liable to judgment. Whoever insults his brother will be liable to the council. And whoever says, you fool, will be liable to the hell of fire. So if you are offering your gift at the altar and there remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there before the altar and go. First, be reconciled to your brother, and then come and offer your gift. Come to terms quickly with your accuser while you are going with him to court, lest your accuser hand you over to the judge and the judge to the guard, and you be put in prison. Truly I say to you, you will never get out until you have paid the last penny. So there's a formula. Jesus said, you have heard it said this way, but I tell you this And then he gave us two examples, a church example and a a legal example. Now, what Jesus was, was referring to here was the sixth commandment. And the sixth commandment was, you shall not kill. Now, a better way for us to understand that is that you shall not murder. Because if you look at it, it couldn't necessarily mean that thou shall not kill. Because when God gave those commandments to Moses for the nation of Israel, he also called them to go to war in order to get the promised land. So we shouldn't look at it as thou shalt not kill, but really it's thou shalt not murder. Now, the scribes and Pharisees, this is what they have been teaching. 
all right? They've been teaching, hey, look, everyone, if you want to follow the law and be a good follower of God, well, then all you have to do is not murder your brother. That's all you got to do, and then you fulfill the law. Just don't kill anybody, all right? Don't murder anyone, and then you are good. But you can do whatever else you want. You can get angry with your brother. You can get angry with your parents. You can tell them off. You can hold bitterness. You can have rage. None of that stuff matters. Just don't kill anybody, and you're good. You've done a good job. Now Jesus is saying, no, 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 no. Jesus is stepping in, in, into the picture. He's giving us a counterculture uh, reality check here. And Jesus is saying, no, no. If you want to be a follower of me, if you want to be the salt and the light to the earth, if you want to have an influence on your family, your friends, your coworkers, well, then it's not just about not murdering somebody, but it's even about not even being angry towards them. It's, it's, it's about not even saying uh, uh, in insulting words towards them. So Jesus is taking it a step further here. And now he's going to give us some examples, right? The example was, that, hey, you know, so back in their day, saying if you go to the temple and then you're there to, to and then and you, you uh, lay down your sacrifice, and then you remember that, oh, man, I have a grievance with my brother. He said, leave your sacrifice there. Go and settle that grievance with your brother. Talk to them. Say you're sorry. Pour out your heart. And then come on back. So it's kind of like for us today, if during the middle of worship service, here you are, you know, clapping your hands, raising your hands. And then all of a sudden, in the middle of worship, you remember, oh, shoot. I have this, 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 you know, like I, I, I said something towards a friend or, or um, really holding on to this anger in my heart towards my friend. Guess what the lesson is? Jesus is saying it is more important for you to leave church on Sunday. It is more important for you to leave church on Sunday and settle your grievance with your friend than be inside church. It's more important. You know why? Because Jesus is saying, I care about your heart. I care about your heart. I know that once you go settle that grievance, then you're going to be able to step back in here, offer that sacrifice, worship me, and then I'm going to be able to do so much more with you than if you were just to hold on to that grievance and say, I'll, I'll just take care of it later after church. Uh, you know what? I'm kind of hungry after lunch today. You know what? I, I got to go home and clean up. I'll take care of it next week. That's what we do sometimes, right? Jesus then gives us a legal example that says that, man, if you owe someone money, don't wait until the court date. Because you know what, um, what uh, might happen is that you go to court and then all of a sudden, bam, you got you to gotta pay up and then maybe something worse is going to happen. And then, and then you're going to be put in prison. Just settle it quickly before the court date even comes. If you owe money to somebody, settle it right away. Don't be in debt. Settle it right away. And so the lesson here that Jesus is trying to teach us is that if murder is such a horrible crime, I think we could all agree, right, that to murder maliciously is a horrible crime. Well, malicious anger, malicious words towards people is just as bad. It's just as bad. And if we are going to be the church if we are going to be salt and light to our family, our friends, wherever God takes us, if we are going to be people of influence, 
Well, then we need to be sensitive towards these matters. We need to be sensitive towards what we think, what we say, what we do with our actions. And we should settle matters with urgency. As a a follower of Jesus, we should be the first ones to say, I'm sorry. We should be the first ones, not waiting for the other person, but we should be the first one. This is what Jesus is, is teaching us. We should be the first ones to reach out. Settle it quickly is what he's saying. Scripture tells us don't let the sun go down while you're still angry. And I think, man, how many times have I let the sun go down still being angry and that impacted my next morning and that bad morning impacted my next day of work or next day of doing something, right? If I just would have settled it right then and right there. But I also have to say this, last point on this. In Romans 12, 17 and 18, it says this. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everybody. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Our job is not to change people. We can't. We can't change people. We can't change our family members that we so desperately want to, right? We can't change our friends, our coworkers, our managers, our bosses. We can't change them. No matter how bad we want to, we can't. But what scripture says is, as far as it depends on you, live at peace. You see, we go as far as we can, and then we leave the rest up to God. But my question is, are we going as far as we can to settle grievances with people that we may have hurt? Or maybe they hurt us. Are we going as far as we can to settle matters quickly? That's what Jesus is trying to teach us. Let's go to the next topic. Our second topic today is the issue of lust. Turn with me to Matthew chapter 5 now, starting at verse 27. It says this. You have heard that it was said, you shall not commit adultery. But I say to you that everyone who looks at a woman with lustful intent has already committed adultery with her in his heart. If your right eye causes you to sin, tear it out and throw it away. For it is better that you lose one of your members than your whole body be thrown into hell. And if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. For it is better that you lose one of your members than your whole body go into hell. Now Jesus is talking about the seventh commandment. The seventh commandment is is that you shall not commit adultery. All right, you shall not commit adultery. Now what the scribes and Pharisees were teaching in those days was this. Hey, as long as you don't sleep with someone who isn't your wife, you're good. You can do whatever else you want. But as long as you don't actually sleep, uh, sleep with someone who isn't your wife, then you have kept this commandment. You are good to go. Jesus now says, no, no, no. If you're going to be salt and light to this world, if you want to have a life where you're growing as a leader, you're growing as a follower of me, you're having impact on your family, you're having impact wherever you go. If you're going to do that, then I care not just about your actions, but I care about your purity. He said, I care about your purity. You know why? Because, again, Jesus cares about our hearts. 
Jesus is going to teach that, that if, if, our, if our words can't commit, word, can commit murder, then, then, then we can commit adultery in our hearts and minds as well. And I love that Jesus says this, looking lustfully with the eyes leads to adultery in the heart. Looking lustfully in the eyes leads to adultery in the heart. In the Old Testament, there's a story of Job, an incredible story. There's one line that stood out to me in my whole life, especially as a young man. Job wrote these words. He said this. He said, I have made a covenant with my eyes not to look with lust at a young woman. Job wrote those words. I have made a covenant with my eyes that I will not look with lust at a young woman. You know why he wrote those words? Because he knew that the lust of the heart begins with the lust of the eyes. Or you can look at it as if you want to control your heart, you know, sometimes we're like, man, I just can't get it out of me. You know, just, I, I just feel like I got to do this. If you want to control your heart, control your eyes first. Control your eyes first. Then Jesus is going to give us a very practical uh, uh, in, instruction on how to maintain our purity. He's going to say, if your right eye causes you to sin, man, take out that eye. Because it is better for you to enter heaven with one eye than go to hell with both eyes. He's going to say, if your right hand causes you to sin, then cut off that right hand. Because it's better for you to go to, or go to heaven with, with one hand than go to hell with two. Now, before I go any further, there are groups of people since those days where they took that literally. They took that literally. And they would literally decapitate certain body parts because of that. I kid you not. Now, I got good news. That's not what Jesus meant. Those people got it wrong, all right? So take a big sigh. Ah, right? No, that's not what Jesus meant. That's not what he meant. This is what he was talking about. He was trying to teach that the shameful things that we do in life, some regrets that we have of things that we have done, that it starts with a fantasy of the mind. And usually it gets to the fantasy of the mind because it's something that we saw with our eyes. So he's trying to teach to be disciplined with your eyes, to be disciplined with what we are looking at. Now, we might be saying, but you just don't understand my imagination. It just goes wild. I can't help it. Now, our imaginations are a gift from God. They really are. It is one of the main things that separate us from the animals. I mean, there wouldn't be one great, amazing thing accomplished in life if it wasn't for the imagination. Whether it's some, some fantastic art piece or some big victory, it wouldn't have been possible without the imagination. But just like any gift that is from God, it is to be used responsibly. It is to be used responsibly. And you see, the reality is that most likely, most likely, not all cases, but most likely, when someone has done something horrible, it's usually because they saw it first. Usually. It's a sad reality. That's usually what it leads to. It starts with the eyes. The eyes go to the mind. The mind goes to the heart. The heart will carry out the action. Now, think of it like this. 
This is why it is so important for us, the church today, for you and your family at your job to set a good example. To set a good example. Because it works both ways. It works both ways. If my kids see me being a jerk of a dad, just being mean, just treating Jerry horribly, well then guess what? It's not for sure, but there's a good chance that they're going to grow up and do the same thing because of what they saw. But they see me being a man of God, not just in the church, but at the house, at my job, trying to live a life of righteousness, trying to be salt and light to the world. Well, again, it's not for sure, but there's a good chance, a better chance that they will grow up and do the same thing because of what they saw. It goes both ways. That's why it's so important that wherever God has you at right now, as a church, what, uh, whatever family he has you at, whatever job, school, whatever it is, that's why it's so important to set the good example because you never know who's watching. You never know who's watching and how that's going to impact them. So going back to the whole decapitation issue, right, the, the easy application of this is, 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 is just very simple. Jesus is saying that if something that you see causes you to sin, don't look at it. Don't look at it. If something that you do, maybe somewhere you go, causes you to sin, don't go there. Just don't do it. That's all that he's trying to teach. And all the groups that actually cut off those body parts are like, oh, dang it. Right? No, no. He's just saying just don't go there. Just don't look at it. It's about denying yourself. A verse that I love is Matthew 16, 24. Then Jesus told his disciples, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. So when you're in that struggle, when you're in that battle to where, to where you know that, okay, this is what caused me to sin when I look at this. Or this is what caused me to sin when I go there. Think of it like this. I'm going to deny myself. I'm, I'm, I'm going to deny myself, pick up my cross, and follow me. And don't get caught up on what you think you're missing out on, but think, realize, come to grips with what you are gaining in eternity because of that decision that you're making to be disciplined with your eyes. Next topic, our third topic today, divorce. Matthew 5.31 says this. Jesus said, it was also said, whoever divorces his wife, let him give her a certificate of divorce. But I say to you that everyone who divorces his wife, except on the ground of sexual immorality, makes her commit adultery. And whoever marries a divorced woman commits adultery. Now, this topic is especially challenging because depending on what our experience of divorce has been in your life, divorce can really touch us at deep emotional levels. And again, this is something that I love. Jesus, no matter where you fall at, maybe you have never experienced divorce of any kind. Maybe you're experiencing one right now. Maybe you've experienced multiple divorces. Maybe you know people that have. Here's the, here's the amazing thing about Jesus. He cares about your heart. He cares about your heart. And it doesn't matter what has happened, 
right here, right now, he cares about your heart. And he can take anything, anything, and turn it for your good and for his glory. That's what the word teaches us. So why is Jesus talking about divorce? And why did he talk about this certificate of divorce? He said that's what it has been told to you, right? Just get a certificate of divorce. Because back in these days, the scribes and Pharisees, the religious leaders, they taught that all you had to do that if you wanted to divorce your wife was get a certificate and then you're done. And this is real. They would divorce their wives because they didn't like their cooking. I kid you not. It's in the history books. They would divorce their wives because they didn't like their cooking. They would divorce their wives because they, they found someone else that they thought was more attractive. They would divorce their wives for any reason whatsoever. They just grab that certificate and say, here you go. See you later. It was like it was candy to them back in those days. And now what Jesus is trying to do later on in Matthew chapter 19, he's going to talk about divorce in more length. And they're going to come to him. And they're going to try to test Jesus and say, you know, Moses taught that if we do this, then we can divorce our wife for doing this and that and that and that. Well, what do you say about it, Jesus? Jesus never even utters the word divorce. You know that? He talks about the, 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 just the sanctity of marriage. He talks about how, you know what? It wasn't always like that. But in the beginning, God created man and woman. And he said that they would leave their families and then become one flesh. And then Matthew 19, 6, Jesus is going to say, for they are no longer two but one. And what God has brought together, let men not separate. You see, what Jesus was trying to point out when it comes to divorce, and it's so interesting because he was talking about it back in these days, 2,000 years ago, and it's the same issue today. He was saying this, if you are in a marriage and you're going through a hard time, don't let your first reaction be certificate. Divorce. I don't like your cooking. I'm upset with you today. Divorce. Don't let your first thought be divorce. Let your first thought be reconciliation. If God can reconcile us back to him, hurting broken people, he can reconcile any marriage. But Jesus is also going to be realistic. He's also going to say but you know what? There are some times when one of the partners has been so unfaithful that they have broken that bond. And so no matter where you fall at, what Jesus is trying to say about the issue of divorce is don't think so much about divorce. Think more about how sacred marriage is. Think more about how permanent marriage is. And if us as a church, if us as just mankind today just thought more about how sacred marriage is and not how easy divorce is, then things could be different. But again, Jesus cares about your heart. So he's going to say, but I understand. There are some things, there, there's just been so much unfaithfulness to where I get it, I understand. That's not going to work out. But even then, I can make it work out for your good, for their good, and for my glory. That's the God that we serve. Even these really difficult matters, man, Jesus cares about it. He doesn't shy away from it. He cares about your hearts. 
I'm going to conclude here with the fourth and final example today. The fourth example that Jesus used was on oaths, keeping your word. He said this, again, you have heard that it was said to, uh, said to those of old, you shall not swear falsely, but shall perform to the Lord what you have sworn. But I say to you, do not take an oath at all, either by heaven, for it is the throne of God, or by the earth, for it is his footstool, or by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. And do not take an oath by your head, for you cannot make one hair white or black. Let what you say be simply yes or no. Anything more than this comes from evil. What Jesus is teaching here is that our character and our words matter to God. Our character and our words matter to God. You see, the Pharisees and their successors back in those days, the Jewish rabbis, they would literally teach the people that you can make a binding oath, as in an oath where you have to keep it because of the words that you said, but you can also make an unbinding oath, as in you can swear, say, I swear that I will do this. But if you didn't use the right words, then they were teaching that it was okay to break that word. It was okay to break that promise. And so later on, Jesus is going to say this to them later on in uh, Matthew 23, verse 16. He says, Woe to you, blind guides, who say if anyone swears by the temple, it is nothing. But if anyone swears by the gold of the temple, he is bound by his oath. You blind fools, for which is greater, the gold or the, or the temple that has made the gold sacred? And you say, if anyone swears by the altar, it is nothing. But if anyone swears by the gift that is on the altar, he is bound by his oath. You blind men, for which is greater, the gift or the altar that makes the gift sacred? So whoever swears by the altar swears by it and by everything on it. And whoever swears by the temple swears by it and by him, and by him who dwells in it. And whoever swears by heaven swears by the throne of God and by him who sits upon it. Jesus is going to basically say this, the whole world belongs to God. The whole world. There is nothing that you can swear on if you say, say I swear on my grandpa's grave. Guess what? Your grandpa belonged to God. There is nothing that you can swear on. I swear on my house. I swear on my car. Everything belongs to God. That's what Jesus is teaching. There is nothing that you can swear by that doesn't belong to him. So basically what he is saying is be a man, be a woman of your word. If you say you're going to do something, do it. And then Jesus is going to say, and you know what? Don't even feel like you need to make an oath at all, but just, but just let your yes be yes and your no be no. Because he's basically saying this. The only reason why any of us would have to resort to making a promise, an oath, is because people can't trust us for our word. That's the only reason why anyone would have to say, I swear that I will do this. Or I promise you that I will do this. Because they must not trust your character. They must not trust your word. You must have broken it sometime in the past. For you have to swear by something. Now Jesus isn't saying don't ever swear. Don't go to court and put your right hand on the Bible and say, I swear to tell the whole truth. He's not saying that. He is saying... Be a man, be a woman of your word. Keep your promises. And it matters so much. 
Because Jesus' final instructions to his disciples was saying, go and make disciples of all nations. Teach them about me. Let them grow in me. And how can we do that if people can't take us for our word? And the only reason why they couldn't take us for our word is going back to the very beginning, to the Beatitudes. Because our character might be suspect. It starts with the character. It starts with the hearts. I want to finish with this verse here. You might feel overwhelmed today. You might feel like, man, like, I can't get angry. I can't say insultful words. If I just look at something that I'm sinning, like, man, like, this is just too much for me. Or you might be feeling just a lot of guilt right now. Say, man, I've done all that so many times. This is what truly matters right here. Listen up. This is what really matters. Psalm 51. King David writes these words himself. He wrote in Psalm 51, For you do not delight in sacrifice, or I would bring it. You take no pleasure in burnt offerings. The sacrifice of God are a broken spirit, a broken and a contrite heart, O God, you will not despise. Don't look at all these things like, oh, man, I can't look here. I can't go there. I can't say this. I can't do that. Bring your heart to God. Jesus cares about your heart. That's all he cares about. David wrote, he said, if I could create this big sacrifice, I would do it to you, God. But you don't care about that sacrifice. You care about my heart. Trying to live up to these commandments might look like a big sacrifice. But he doesn't care about the sacrifice. He cares about your heart. So when we give our heart to Jesus, any of us can do that. No matter who you are today, no matter where you come from, no matter what you've done, anybody can give a broken heart. And that's all that God wants. That's all he wants is to bring our broken heart, no matter what it looks like to us or to others, to bring our broken heart to him. And say, God, here I am. I'm sorry. Please forgive me my sins. I repent from them. Help me to do right, to do better, to go towards you, not towards this world, to be the salt and light that you have called me to be, to live a life that is right in your eyes, not, not concerned about my family and this world, but concerned more about you, knowing that when I'm concerned about you, then that is when you are going to use me to impact my family in this world. He cares about our heart. He cares about your heart. Let's give that to him today. Let's stand as we close in prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much, Lord God, that we don't have to perform some great feat. We don't have to perform some great sacrifice, something that just seems just impossible. But all you care about is our hearts. That's all you want is for us to give you our heart. And then when we give you our heart and make you the Lord and Savior of our life, then from the inside out, you help us to fulfill the law through Jesus. It's through Jesus. You have been made righteous through Jesus. Thank you for caring about our heart, God. Not about how many times that we've messed up, how many times we've failed. You care about our heart right here, right now. So I ask, Lord God, that all of us would just give you our broken heart and say, God, here, I give it to you. 
I'm done trying to trying trying to do better on on my own or 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 uh, get right first and then come to you. Here's my heart right here right now. I give it to you, knowing that when I give you my heart, that's the first step. And then you're gonna take me to do great things, to be salt and light to my family, my friends, my coworkers. I thank you so much, Lord God, for who you are, God. That it's all possible because of Jesus, what he did for us on the cross. I just ask you to bless everyone here with a great Sunday. Keep everyone safe. Keep everyone healthy. Keep everyone cool in this heat wave. Bless everyone listening online. Be with them, Father. Keep them healthy, Lord. Thank you so much, God. We just love you and we worship you. Just let me pray. Amen. Amen, you guys. Have a great rest of your Sunday. Again, come on out to hear Justin bring the word next week. And, 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 uh, there, and, and uh, there will be no more uh, Bible study for this month. Take two weeks off. And the month of September is going to be a month of prayer. The month of September. And then we're going to stop. But for the month of September, we are going to pray. We are going to cry out for all of our parents that are now home teachers. We're going to cry out for everyone hurting. Cry out for our city, for the church. Man, come on out the month of September, every Tuesday, 7 o'clock. We're going to be praying crying out to God together. So if you're free, please come on out to that. All right, have a great Sunday, you guys. God bless you.